Welcome to Modern Aikido's podcast. I'm really excited to have on uh, for discussion today, Francisco de los Cobos. Um, I'm sorry, de los Cobos, I didn't want to pronounce that incorrectly. Um, he is an Aikido instructor. Uh, he lived in Dallas and has moved to San Diego, California very recently. Um, he's training out there. Uh, also, as I understand, you're, you're training and teaching, or you were teaching in Dallas up until then. I'll, I'll uh, the reason I wanted to bring you on to this show is to talk a little about your sport background and how it how it affected your Aikido and how you train. Uh, I've had a couple of interviews uh, recently where we've talked about other arts and other methods of training influencing Aikido. And so I really thought about bringing you on. I was excited to to get you going here. So maybe you could elaborate a little bit on your background and some of the other things that you've allowed to uh, impact your Aikido and your Aikido training. Sure thing. Well, first of all, thank you, Tristan, for, for having me here. It's always a pleasure having these uh, discussions and these, uh, you know, ideas bouncing. Um, it, it's always very enriching. I enjoy your podcast in general very much. So it's, uh, it's a pleasure and an honor to be uh, part of, uh, you know, one of your podcasts. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. And, you know, it's, it's been a while since we talked, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm happy and excited about this. Um, yeah, um, I started with, uh, with uh, the martial art of uh, Taekwondo in Mexico, in the Mexico City. It's a very popular uh, martial art, like almost, I would say, as popular as soccer at one point, at least in the 80s. Like there, was a, there were like uh, Taekwondo schools all over the place. So a um, so demonstration started training when I was around four or five uh, years old. And, and, you know, I, I, I had a, a very good uh, luck to, to find a, a good instructor, right? Like, kept the traditional side of the martial art, but at the same time, pushed the, the, the sport side of it, right? Mm -hmm. So I always had that um, uh, experience of, of having the benefits of the competitive uh, sport side, along with the martial aspect of things. And I, I think that was uh, a great thing that influenced my, uh, my view on the on the martial training in general because mm -hmm. um, uh, like a lot of people my main, main interest was always uh, self-protection self-defense uh, but you know like that I think well in my opinion in my experience that goes uh, very much hand in hand with the sports um, experience that, that you can get from from some of the martial arts so um, after that like training about I would say like 16 years, I had a, a good chance of competing with, with high-level teams uh, in Mexico. Um, in, uh, we went to Korea to do a training and competition there. Like, I mean, that's, that's the make of Taekwondo. So, you know, I saw like some, some really high-level uh, teammates, you know, competing in national and international events as well. So it was, it was an um, enriching experience as well. Um, after that, around the year 2000, that's when I uh, got interested in Aikido. And I started just, you know, training Aikido, um, nothing else, just Aikido. And I've been doing that for, you know, the last, you know, couple of years since that day. And um, around 10 years ago, I started getting a little interested again in those benefits of the pressure testing competition and, and uh, uh, feedback that you would get from a live opponent. So I started doing... Uh, boxing and Muay Thai. Um, obviously, the, the, the kickboxing, the Muay Thai aspect was a little 
easier for me to to pick up again because of my taekwondo experience you know a lot of kicking and you know some punching um but yeah with the boxing and and, and everything like I, I got it again like in a in a you know i would say like a quicker way that i could uh start competing again at that amateur level um and you know training with uh some of my partners were were you know professional fighters and uh in a level and um and it was good and it's a, it was a good experience and the thing was that on both sides like um because i never stopped training aikido at the same time right so on both ends um there was always this question you know like oh you're training if i was in the aikido school oh you're training mma and you know doing all these competitions uh but you still like aikido and you still train here and you know other people as well you know at the mma gym like oh you know you train here you compete you know you will have won some tournaments um, or, you know, some fights, uh, but you still train Aikido, you know, like kind of like why you still do that. Like, you know, why are you interested in still both? And to me, it was just like a, a very natural blend of both approaches and both systems. Uh, and like, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm going not for the um, just being a champion in, you know, some style or anything it was more like the the, the complete of getting the the full well-rounded uh experience of being a you know the most complete martial artist that i could be right so you know i had the the um weapons aspect uh you know i also like to shoot uh, i also like to collect and and, and um, learn how to utilize uh you know etched weapons like knives uh and then aikido has certain martial aspects that i really liked um, and then the sports side of it had, uh, you know, other benefits, you know, and, and, and for me, the, the two of them were like very well, um, you just mixed together was like really, it felt good to me, you know, um, I didn't feel like there was a, a need for me to choose between one or the other. Um, and, and I find that, uh, um, having that experience kind of inspired people from the traditional side. Uh, you know, some friends that train Aikido or karate or Taekwondo to, to delve a little bit into the sports side of like competition, you know, a little harder competition. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we'll talk about the, the benefits of that, especially the mind, the, the mental benefits of that um, competition. And I know the, the word on its own, the word competition is like really looked down in the Aikido community, but it's, 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 uh, it's not a competition against somebody else. Like the way I always have seen it, it's, it's a uh, Masakatsu Agatsu. That's one of the main tenets of Aikido, right? Uh, you know, like the, the true victory is the victory over yourself. And, and that's the way I see it. You know, yeah, you go and there's a, you know, superficial competition against another opponent, but the way I saw it and the way I felt that it, it was like, it, it was just against myself, you know, against my own, my own shortcomings in training. Like, when you put yourself against another opponent that that is you know training to their to their top level in in and then you go in the ring or the cage then you find out a lot about yourself like you you really leave that cage with a win or the loss but but learning a lot about yourself and that was an experience like so enriching even before the actual um you know match i, I don't want to say competition again like you know match uh, the training process changes completely when you have that focus, uh, when you have that pressure, uh, at least in the back of your mind, that you have, you know, to, to, to reach a certain goal, you know, a certain standard. And that changes your training completely, right? So, um, you know, there's many benefits to it, like, um, 
but but that's mainly what what attracted me and kept me on both sides of the spectrum you know the, the very traditional side that most aikido schools uh you know handle in the um sports uh competition side of, of things you know i'm glad you brought up the there's a number of great branches of topics to to, to cover from what you just said and i think the the biggest one or the first one for us to cover is that masakatsu agatsu and i think when people look at competitive fighters or competitive martial arts they the first thing they see when they uh, look at them is you see one fighter trying to dominate another fighter and you view that as being an external competition and, and it it is however in my experience and i've got over 25 27 years in in competitive fighting all of the top level competitors that I knew, they could win a tournament and they'd come away being upset of, it, it wasn't about that they defeated their opponent. It was how did they perform? Did they make mistakes? And maybe that their, their opponent never capitalized on those mistakes. Maybe he, he, he won anyway. They were never focused on, did I win the tournament or did I win the match? They were focused on, did I perform at my best? when I was tested, when it, when it mattered the most, when I needed to perform, did I perform the way that I trained? And oftentimes, almost every time, in fact, I can't remember one time having somebody come away and said, I'm really happy with my performance, even though, you know, they won. They said, yes. no, I, I screwed up. I screwed up and I'm lucky. I'm <laughs> lucky my opponent didn't, didn't catch it. Um, but, but to address that, that issue is when somebody gets in to that realm and I wanted to, to cover this, the, the three realms of, of fighting. And we're talking about the, the sport martial realm. And I, I view them as three separate realms. And then, then you have the academic martial arts, which some would call the traditional or the uh, koru arts, where you're focused on extreme technical precision above most everything else. And that includes even being focused on the aesthetic, being making sure your technique yes, correct. looks really attractive, that it looks pretty, which I think a lot of Aikido really exists heavily in that realm. And they mm -hmm. don't want to, they don't want to drift into the sport fighting realm or the third realm, which is self-defense and, and real combat. Like this is where yes. there's no rules. It's, it happens suddenly, unlike sport where it's pre-planned. Uh, where you know where your opponent ahead of time, you get to you get to study him, you get to train um, specifically for them. You know exactly when it's going to happen, where it's going to happen, and in the self-defense world, you don't know who's going to attack you. You don't know how many. You don't know when. You don't know where. Uh, you you don't have that lead up. So each of those realms, I think, brings strength to the their own strengths to the table. Um, and what we were talking about with the with our little pre-interview yesterday of the having somebody give a hundred percent of their ability to over to overcome you in a, in the sport realm and i love this point that you made which was this is as close as you can get without it turning into a, a real heavy duty fight that where your life may be in danger um, yes and that intensity brings up a, an aspect of training that i believe gets lost in the academic training which is the um, when you're, when you're under that load of stress where you have somebody who's willing to not only be as smart as they can possibly be to take you down, but also maybe just as rigorous, just using pure athleticism and physicality to overcome you, because that is a card to play. It's not yes. necessarily how technical an attack is. It can be just there to overwhelm you. 
Um, so I, I think that, that that three realms gives us sort of the, the context of this discussion and what a, a fighter, the, the benefits of training for that type of competition bring. And my favorite, and this is one of the reasons that I, I do the testing uh, system that I do to, to introduce my students to a little bit of that anxiety and pressure of what a sport fighter has. Like in three weeks or in a month, you're going to have a test. We're all going to be watching. And I've yet to see a, a student that doesn't take that to heart and has <laughs> that anxiety level of uh, my fellow students are watching me, my instructors are watching me. I don't want to screw up. I, I really need to perform well. I don't want to make any mistakes. Like that's the kind of mindset that a fighter has going into that competition day when it's, when it's, this is their, their match. It's like, I yes. can't afford mistakes. If I make a mistake, I, it could be over. That could be it. And, um, and so the, the testing that, that I like to do introduces a student to, okay, here's how your body and your mind behave when you're under stress, which is different than how it behaves during a normal class. You, know, right. you don't, you don't have that pressure in a class. You, you kind of feel, well, all right, if I make a mistake, maybe I get dinged a little bit or I, you know, but I'll do the next one better. You can't afford that in a self-defense. Yeah, there's no, there's no mental pressure. And, and I like that you bring that up, you know, in the, in the, in the end, one of the things that it's important, I think that, that people should know beforehand what they want out of their training. And, and they can choose from all these three realms and they overlap mm -hmm. um, a little bit in between, you know, yeah, uh, there's not one pure one. They, they, they have a lot in common. They have a lot, you know, cross crisscross in, in between them. Mm -hmm. As long as you know what you want and you're getting that out of your training or you're giving in case of instructors, you're giving that to your students, um, then it's, it's good. You know, it's, it's perfect. Like if you want to be a purist, and you want to stay as close as you can um, aesthetically and technically, uh, you know, um, like pure to your, to your style, and that's what you're offering, then that's fine. Uh, but then don't call this self-defense. Don't, don't tell your students that they can apply this in a real-life scenario or that they can go and do a sport competition with this because they're going to be disappointed. You know, you're doing a disservice to your students, to the art, um, in, in, uh, but again, like when you have somebody that it's, uh, a little more focused on the sports side of it, you know, you have the pressure, you have the, the necessity to win, you know, you have, you have some, some kind of like, um, uh, how can I call it? Like, uh, it, it's, it's just that, um, that mental pressure that you need to perform well, like you said. Um, and, and you're doing good and you're used to that. And, and like you said, you come out of there, even if you win and you're like, damn, I didn't do good. Where are you going to find the answers in the technical realm? So, you know, like, like they, they all mix and match a little bit, you know, they all have uh, the now, exactly. And, and if you're like on the pure self-defense side, then, then you just need to really put yourself to that mental stress. I, I like what you said yesterday, like get through that stress inoculation, mm -hmm. um, in, and I believe the sport aspect of martial arts is the closest thing that we can get to, um, to, to get our mind and our, our bodies to prepare for that uh, potential um, physical confrontation on, on, on the street, you know? And I think that's where the, the, the realms of real violence and sport violence, their strength is that they, 
the people that participate in those realms get used to that level of violence. They, they just, mm -hmm. normal people are scared to death of, of going into that realm, whereas they get used to it. They just, they, that becomes, okay, well, it's another fight, you know, and, and you meet some of those people or see some of those people that are, that come from the pure street fighting world and they've never entered a dojo in their life. They, they, their form may be poor, but they are good street fighters or good bar yeah. fighters. And, and I think, I think everybody, you know, has still that little nervousness and you get a little afraid. Like that's, that's natural, but they, the difference is that they know how to handle it or hide they, it they or can use it to their advantage. That pressure situation. Like either way, like either they, they, they put it down, they shut it down or they use it to their advantage. They amp themselves up like mm -hmm. that somehow they, they know how to handle it, but that only comes with the experience mm -hmm. in, in how, if you're only a, a, a you know, traditionalist in that sense, you know, we talked about these three realms. Uh, how do you get that, that experience, that mind experience of, of getting used to that pressure? You need to put yourself through that. And I believe that's what the sports side of martial arts can offer, you know, like it's, it's safe in the end. Yes. I mean, any, even, even just going technical, like, like you were talking about choreo, right? Like there's no sparring in choreo, but if you mess up one technique and you're practicing with weapons, with wooden weapons, you're going to get your head cracked and that's still a risk. So no matter what, there's nothing that it's hundred percent safe. Like you can make your training as, as scientifically sound as you possibly can to make it like, safe but there's always a risk so uh i think in fact, i'd say if the there isn't a risk or isn't any danger your training is is substandard you're not yes like you're yourself... just training form you yeah. know you're just training the form that's i mean again if that's what you intend to do and you want to be a kata uh you know champion and you don't want the pressure of you just want the pressure of people looking at you or the pressure of not messing up but you don't want the pressure of an external you know mind trying to impose on you then then it's fine but just don't think that's gonna help in a real fight yeah so yeah that 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 um sports side of martial arts i think it's it's uh, something that i think everybody that is interested in self-defense should try um again it maybe it, it's not even about the technical or the physical you know side of it it's it's, it's a mental side like just just thinking about this way you know like take any take any uh you know sport uh oriented martial arts be it wrestling jiu-jitsu or boxing right mm -hmm. and and you have a a guy or a girl that competes constantly that is used to that pressure of handling like oh somebody wants to choke me break my arm uh punch me to you know till i'm i mean not dead but you're unconscious that pretty much cancels, you know, being dead in the street. Yeah. Um, but you're used to handling that pressure and you get, you know, you learn ways to handle it. However it is, you know, again, you shut it down, you use it to your advantage, whatever it is. And then you have somebody that only trains physically like techniques in a, in a kata motion. As hard as the kata can be, like your uke can attack you like really hard, but you know what's coming. You know what technique he's going to attack you with. You know what technique you're going to, even if it's a little bit of randori, you know it's, you know, it's going to stop after the technique, you know, there's not going to be a constant pressure against you technically, physically, mentally. Mm -hmm. So you take those two people and then you expose them to a, an altercation, a physical, it, not even that, like, let's go back a step. Like you expose them to a verbal attack, like a verbal violence on the street. 
I believe the one that has that confidence that, oh, if I, I have handled myself against multiple people, uh, is going to have a better way to de-escalate and even avoid the fight than the people that has never been in that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not that it cannot happen, but I guess the, 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 the sport, uh, you know, competitor will have a better way of, you know, being, remaining calm throughout that whole event. And right. if it gets physical, I think he's going to be more confident in his technique because he or she has put herself to the test many a time uh, as the other person has never done it. So um, it, it's just natural. Like if you don't have the experience, how are you going to, you know, perform and solve, you know, the problems of resistance or things not going your way. So I, I think that's one of the great values of, of the sport, you know, side of martial arts. Yeah. And being able to think when your brain is under stress and it doesn't need to have uh, fists flying at you for the stress to happen when you are in a situation <coughs> where you feel your safety is at risk, even before physical things start, your, your, the fear starts to come in. And the anxiety was like, can I get out of here? I can't get out of here. You know, the doors are blocked or, you know, you got to be able to think through that. And that's something that a sport competitor really needs to have. They, they, can't, they can't just turn the brain off and let their body turn into a berserker. They have to solve their problem. And fighting really is 80% mental. The physical part mm-hmm. is, is relatively minor. Yeah. Um, another For myth real. that I kind of want, that I really wanted to address with this too is, and, and I think this is for people that have not been exposed to the sport fighting realm uh, very much, is that in, in sport fighting, the opponent is not an enemy. These people do not hate each other, even though that's what they often show, because that's what yes. puts butts in the seats and that's what makes That's what money. sells. That's, that's, what, that's sells. what sells. And, uh, you know, when we talked about this yesterday, you know, if you and I were, were competitive fighters in the same sport and we were going to, we were, they scheduled the match for us and everybody knew that you and I were roommates, we we're best of friends, we grew up together and we were going to have a fight. Hardly anybody would, would want to be, inter- they'd be yeah. interested in watching it. But if they thought, if they knew that I was dating your sister and I ran out on her and you were angry at me and you wanted to tear my head off. And I was angry at you. Well, now that's what they want to see. That's what a crowd. That's, that's will, it. Yeah, that's a want. Big, They're like, I want to see that because it's just going to be off the chain. It's a big drama. <laughs> and so uh, the, the part that, that disappoints me about sport fighting uh, is, at least in terms of the marketing veil that they put out front, is that they try to sell that way. And, and professional wrestling. They do. They do sell that way. Let's tune this to an art of, of engaging people to want to see the good guy versus the bad guy. Oh, those are people black belts selling that kind of stuff. Yeah, but really That's behind the, the scenes, every fighter that I know, we look at each other like like we're brothers. And yeah, that like even though you and I may compete at the very highest level against one another, we know that the other is going to bring out our best and that we're going to be challenged at the highest level that we can be. And that's what we want because when we face that high level of challenge, it makes us be better. It makes us have our art take it to the, to the next level. It, you will bring out deficiencies in my training and my fighting that I may never have discovered. And you're the only person that can show them to me. And th- that there's a great value and there's a great bond between sport fighters that, that, uh, that do that with each other. And there's love there. It's not that there's not competition is not about disliking somebody. Not at all. And I have never in, in, you know, 
the 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 few years that I that I competed, like I have never had anybody after the fight like win or lose like hate you or you know talk about you or this you or whatever it's the opposite completely you even end up training or helping them to prepare for the, their next fight or you know you 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 know receive advice from them or, or ask from advice like oh you know like remember when we fought like you know how do you feel this what should i do against this new opponent whatever like it it's it's a brotherhood it really becomes but again you don't know that until you experience that side of the competitive, you know, martial art training. Yeah. So all the people that have never done that and, and just eat up all the media hype and all the Hollywood nonsense and all the, um, you know, hate uh, and, and rivalry and, oh, it's your enemy and all that kind of stuff. I think they, they are missing out on a lot that, that you know, they could enrich their martial training and their lives in general if they tried a little bit of that or you know they can try it they don't like it it's not for them but at least they know the truth at least they experience that for themselves instead of just believing in what you know media has out there and they're like oh if you compete you are a, a brute you know you you hate other people and us like uh, traditional martial artists don't do that i mean come on like I, i've seen traditional martial artists being like you know, really disrespectful in, in having like lower standards than people that fight. Uh, it, it's not about, you know, the fighting or not. It's about just, uh, just, just your values, you know, how you uphold them in, and, you know, whatever you believe in, in, and just being a nice person, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I, I, I think you agree with me and you know that there's not, there's very few, if any fighters that, that, uh, you know, a professional or amateur level, that are just like, uh, you know, meatheads or like, you know, oh. like that there, there's none because yeah. they have put themselves to the test and they know there's always somebody better or stronger or with more luck that day. So they're, they're not uh douche, you know, right. Kind of thinking they're not big heads. They're, <laughs> they're really nice people. Like most of the, but again, you don't know that until you're in the mix. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I found the same thing that there was a, <clears throat> Yes, you had people that were performing at the top levels that had a bit of an ego. They knew they were good, but mm -hmm. I agree with you. They did always know that there was somebody better or on a given day, they may not be at their best and they're going to get beat. It sort of, it was a way for them to, I think the effect was that their ego was kept in check because they always knew they could run across somebody that had, had their number. Like mm -hmm. you, you can't just walk around and be an arrogant jackass because somebody's going to feed you your own ego and it's yeah. gonna, it's gonna the, the bigger your mouth is the worse it hurts when somebody shows up and says listen i gotta take you to school and uh um, yeah and but yet they also when they ran across a, a, a gentleman competitor or somebody who had you know tremendous uh honor and character but yet that person beat them they were like, they were joyful. I, I would drive across the country to get beat by some of these guys because they were so good that I could, they could show me how to be better. And they would teach me. They would, they would share openly how, what they were doing, how they were doing it, help me to get, get to that point. Um, and so that's, that's a big, a big part of it. And, and I think the, one of the things I missed the most from, from that competitive stuff was that focus you talked about earlier of, I know game time is coming. I know the switch has got to turn on and having competed in, in large tournaments and, and high level, high intensity tournaments, um, 
your mind goes through a, a, an incredible odyssey of dealing with your self-doubt, your uh, preparation, your, your ability to perform under that stress. But it's, when it's game time, it's total focus. And I you think that that's go. what it shares in the sport realm. You have some time to, to prepare for it. For, to turn that switch on and the, the day that you compete right with right in when you get in front of your next opponent that's when the switches have all got to be on in a self-defense situation those you don't have a lead up or, or you may not have much of a lead up maybe a minute or two or a couple minutes but when it's when it's game time you got to know how to turn that switch on if you've never turned it on in your practice or in in uh, have your training cycle include preparing you to turn that that switch on and what it's like to, to have it go on. Uh, you know, you, that's a big hole in your, in your martial roundedness part. And I think, Correct. you know, if we look at those three realms, like a triangle, if you look at the center of the triangle, that's where all of the, the benefits of those three realms kind of come together. The technical precision of the, the sport fighter and the uh, academic realm comes together with the mindset part of the sport realm and the real violence realm. Uh, they all meet in the middle when you have a good uh, base of, of all of the elements brought together. And um, I think the farther you get away from that center, the more you get hyper-specialized. And, you know, for example, a street fighter, he doesn't care about form. He doesn't care about technical ability. He just wants to be standing at the end mm -hmm. and, you know, there's a level of viciousness that street by and, and craftiness, you know, the, the pure cunning of using things that are, are, are not legal, but uh, you know, they work just because nobody knows about them. You, you, pure surprise is, is something that exists in that real fighting realm that the sport realm has some of, but because sport competition limits rules, you are not very surprised about what you run into because you've got a good briefing of, all right, here's what, these are the rules. Here's where's the rules. So I know, I know kind of what I expect, but it does still happen. Um, so I think that, that within the center of that triangle is where you get the mixture of all of those three realms together. Um, but, but honing yourself to turn the switch on and say, now it's important. Now it's go time. No mistakes. This has got to work. I think and I think that's, gonna... that's the, 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 the mental aspect that you're talking about. It's very uh, hand to hand hand in hand with the, with a technical aspect, right? Yep. Like the, like, like if you go to the basics, like you, you're starting, you start to learn a technique, right? Throw a punch, do a throw, uh, do a submission. Mm -hmm. You, you see it and your, your brain understands what's going on. It's not that complicated, right? Like it's very simple twist here, pull there. Like it's not complicated. So in a, in a mind uh, level, you can, you can learn it quick, but your body doesn't. The body needs repetition. The body needs to do it thousands of times to, to get proficient at it. And then your mind and your body, now they're, they're, in a, you know, they're synchronized, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's the same with when you have an experience of when you have to, to deal with like your technique not working or adapting in a different way or, or handling violence so your brain doesn't shut out or you don't just become a, a you know, a crazy, you know, mm -hmm. uh, beast uh, because you're going to be very uh, unscientific and untechnical. Mm -hmm. um, you can only get that through experience. Again, maybe you see it, maybe you read about it, maybe you study it, 
But if you have never gone through it, your body, your mind, your, your cells, your body is not going to know how to handle it. You know, when it happens, everything or most everything needs to have that uh, previous training and experience and, and uh, just get used to it, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so again, how do you like, how do you get that experience? Like, like we talked about yesterday, you don't go out and, and just start picking up fights and, and see how, you know, much experience you get before you get put in jail or, you know, you, you know, yeah. run into the, the wrong guy. Yeah. And puts you in the hospital or worse. So what is the closest thing that we have that is safe sports competition? Mm -hmm. And yeah. you don't have to see it like that. If you see it in the way that we started uh, talking, like it's the competition against yourself, then, then the guy in front of you is not your opponent anymore. It's, it's your partner. It's your uh, brother in arms that, you know, will help you get better. Um, if you see it in that way, then, then that guy across from you in the ring or the cage, it's almost as part of your, your same army. It's another soldier that is helping you get better for when you have to use it against a real enemy, a real somebody that is trying to harm you or your family. And, and you so, could also view that as being like, if you were the sword, this was the stone that you sharpened the sword on. Like, and it's a, it's a really good stone that is there to take away the, the flaws and help you find them so that you can remove them through your training. Yeah. Um, so you can be ready in case you actually need it. Right. So I think um, it's very interesting uh, just as a study subject that people that are, haven't experienced it uh, try to compete like at least once or twice in their life and, and, and have that mental pressure because that adrenaline dump and that mental, you know, uh, stress, it's going to be the closest they're ever going to feel to, you know, comparing to like a self-defense situation on the street or, you know, right. whatever. So that, that would be a really, really enriching thing for uh, the people that say that competition is not you know something that should be done well don't see it you just don't look at it as competing against another guy it's competing against yourself mm -hmm. and that is part of any you know martial arts uh you know traditional or not uh you know value system or training aspect like just it's against yourself it's bettering yourself and again that's that's the way i saw it always you know it's it, this is not training to beat another guy it's it's just to better myself it's that masakatsu agatsu so that's the part i like about it and that's why i was always very comfortable like having the two sides of the uh those martial training systems like you know together hand to hand mm -hmm. you know one of the one of the most insightful things i i read about mindset uh of fighting actually was a quote from wyatt earp and i'm going to paraphrase this but he said the art of gunfighting is learning to move slow in a hurry. And that mm -hmm. he talked about that. You think about speed, but you also think to me, I've seen people that say, okay, now it's game time. I'm just going to fight as fast and as hard as I can. And that's, what's going to win. But that isn't because when you start to go as fast as you can go or how, what you believe you rush and you hurry, you scramble, you make mistakes, you, you uh, don't move very well. Uh, you, you wind up being jittery. You know, you need to calm your mind down. And the and what I've found is that when you get into intermediate competitors and on up, they're not fighting with a like a berserk mind or a, a frantic mind. 
they're fighting with a calm, cool smoothness. And that's what makes a great fighter. And yes, they can be very vigorous. You know, you think of somebody like a Mike Tyson or something. Um, but he executed, if you really watch his movements, he executes everything he does. It's, it's fast and it's sudden, but he just goes through it smooth. I mean, everything is, is smooth. And then you watch like a Muhammad Ali, who's got that fluid, you know, that fluid. Yeah, that fluidity. He's not rushing. He's taking his time, but you know, he knows exactly where to go. He, he makes, you know, very few mistakes. Uh, and that's really, that's how I look at it is how do you, you use competition to learn how to make the fewest mistakes. You want yes. basically the perfect game. And um, one of the things I remember learning as an intermediate fighter was the concept of imagine it like a tennis game. You can take on a, t a tennis opponent by trying to scramble around and pound the ball into every corner of the, of the, the court to try to overwhelm them. That's kind of like being hyper aggressive. Or you can make sure the ball just keeps going back across the, the net and let them make the mistake. So mm -hmm. as long as you've got a tight, good defensive game and you can, you can keep your balance, keep your poise, keep your mind calm, stay fluid and be able to move, let the other guy panic. Let him come unglued and make him want to scramble. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that, the mindset of the, that sport realm of, all right, how am I going to deal with this guy? And then the, the other big one, which is reading him, reading an opponent and say, how, what's the best tactic I'm going to use against this particular opponent right here? And that being able to read a situation is important in self-defense. And that's a reading and having your mind relaxed so you can see the world for what it is or see your opponent for what he really is, is a skill that I think in the academic world is, is very much missing being able to, yes. all right, what am I dealing with here? Am I dealing with somebody who likes to kick or am I dealing with a wrestler? And you can tell how they hold their body, uh, how they tend to move will give you indicators as to what, what you might be running into. Yeah. And again, like that, that experience, you only get through, you know, that going through it, you know, like, like putting yourself through like, okay, somebody's, you know, you know, gonna fight me. Like, you know, I know who that person is. Maybe I can study them. But what if they switch the, you know, the the technique at the last moment? What if they change their strategy? So you need to learn how to adapt. And that adaptability that you gain from that, it's very valuable. You know, in a, in a real altercation. So it's not only the handling yourself, your mental pressure and fears, but also like then then comes the physically adapting your technique to handle you know how you're being attacked and mm -hmm. and you cannot gain that you know in any other way i, I believe sure. like again as long as you're training with a within a you know safe um like within a safe method but but if your uke is not really like dead set on on putting you down in in uh you know simulating like trying to hurt you um within you know limits of, of what it is you know the the techniques then i don't think you can develop that that mindset and and then you're missing out on a lot so okay. it is important and and that's what we talked about too uh yesterday a little bit you know you you see you know the people that have gone through that experience be it a street fighter or be it a, a high level competitor you see them in in um you know very stressful situations and they're the calmest ever and, and when you see a guy in a stressful situation being calm, you're like, oh, this dude's dangerous. This dude is, you don't want to mess with this guy. And yeah. when they're like, 
yelling and puffing their chest up and you know being extremely aggressive that doesn't mean they're they're not a threat but at least you know what's coming and then you can assess and you can you know choose your better you know way of the, the better course of action but the one that is calm the one that is like you know not doing much you're like okay don't mess with this guy like you don't know what's coming so and again you gain that through that experience you know mm -hmm. yeah that's true you know i, I think bouncers often say you gotta the guy you gotta worry about the most is the quietest guy in the room uh right. usually the ones who bark aren't aren't as much of a problem as the ones who don't um, yes and you know the the thing that I noticed as well about about those dealing with the opponent aspect is having somebody giving a hundred percent trying to overcome you. And I think initially when I started way, way back, I think I was in my teens, I didn't have a, I had a, even a distaste for competition. Like I didn't, it didn't feel in my gut, you know, that I wanted to compete because there's a personal mm -hmm. element to that. Um, but it was something that I learned, like there's not, it's not a personal thing. And this is something that the real violence world, and I would count bouncers and security people as being great examples for, it's not personal with them. If they have to handle somebody to, that's being a violent problem, it's like they don't hate the person. They just got to handle the situation. They got to get them out of the bar. If it's in a bar situation or they got to make sure people are protected. If it's a fight, they got to break it up. Like it's just business. And that's something that I think helps the mindset of whether it's I'm in a sport ring and I'm facing a, an opponent, it's business. I'm here to do my art and I'm here to do this as well as I can. Or if you're in, you know, a, a violent profession, it's like, I got to handle this guy. He's tearing my club apart. I got to, I got to deal with him and, and get him out of here, but it's not personal. And I think the same thing holds true in a self-defense situation. You don't want to I let your inner part agree. off the chain and go, I got to rip this guy's head off because he, exactly. he dared to attack me. It's like, nope, you've got a security threat here. You need to handle it. You got to keep a calm mind. And this is just me. I'm sure other people have other methods. To me, having a calm mind all the time is the easiest way that I can keep my strategic thinking clear by trying, trying to remain calm and I've got to be focused on the goal. I can't let my focus sway, but I can't be overwhelmed by the, oh, well, I, you know, he might have a knife, right? This might happen, that might happen. And you let that, the, the fog of war sort of start to blind you. And yeah. so, um, you know, I, I, being I able to keep I, that I, calm I, is, a, is an important aspect. I think that's, that's a very good point that you just touched like like you keep it business you know like in any of the three realms if you let uh especially in the sport and the self-defense is a little easier that it can happen mm -hmm. in the technical side there's not much of it anyway but you know that's what they're you know missing out so you you keep it business if you i mean obviously in the sport realm if, if you try to go crazy on the other guy because you think it's personal there's a referee to stop you and there's his whole other team and your own team that is going to stop you like what are you doing Right. But if you try to do that in a, in a self-defense situation, like if you let it get personal or you make it personal, that's, that's when you can lose for real mm -hmm. because you got to know what winning means mm -hmm. in, in the sport competition. It's, it's beating a guy, you know, by points or submission or knockout on the street. Winning is getting home safe. Mm -hmm. That's it. Surviving, surviving. Right. That's it. 
-hmm. It's not beating the other guy. It completely changes. Like it's not about beating the other guy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not especially about teaching him a lesson. It's not about that because when you start thinking about that, you're going to end up losing more. Yeah, you might be the guy, you might kill him, mm -hmm. you might maim him, you might injure him, and then he's going to sue you or he's going to be dead and you're going to be held responsible and charges are going to be pressed and you're going to end up wasting a lot of time and money and you might end up in jail. Like, it, it, it's not about teaching the other guy a lesson. It's, it's knowing what you need to do, what, what winning means on the street. In, in this case, my belief is surviving protecting your family and, and just getting the hell out of Dutch if, if problem is there and you have the chance, um, you know, you're not there to finish the fight. You're there to get away from the fight, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you let it get personal, it can get you in a lot of trouble. I think that, um, that uh, ability to keep things in a business, let's sort of speak perspective and keep a cool mind that you gain through uh, competitive training can help you a great deal outside uh, because then you can stay cool and then you can you know think through things and then if you actually you know defend yourself in a, an effective way and you have the guy at your mercy that's your chance to run not to finish him mm -hmm. right depending on the situation but if you don't have that experience you might just you know maybe your technique works and you end up in, in bigger trouble you know for, yeah. for actually you know doing what you shouldn't so yeah it's it's a it's a very important thing to do one I of the things that, that you know when i when i got started into fighting i did it because i was really interested in it and i was it was fun you know i enjoyed it uh it is fun as i got more experienced into the self-defense realm the mindset is drastically different the goal there is you want to end a fight optimally you don't even get to the point where the fight starts you've intercepted it right playing smart or, or putting somebody in checkmate before the fight even even begins you know that's what a lot of bouncers and security people will say uh that that you can you know they maneuver it to do it that way and and that's that's a realm that i will probably have another interview uh in the future on because i i like these specialized interviews where we talk about the strength of these realms and what they have to offer it, it allowed me to keep focused on, because I've run, I have worked on security. I've done large parties, over a thousand people. Uh, we've had security problems and stuff. And your mindset always has to be, we have to end violence as quickly as possible, as efficiently as possible with, you know, no, no injury. We don't want any injury. We don't want anybody getting either hurt or arrested. We want you know, the problem to go away as quickly as possible, as peacefully right. as possible. And to me, that seems very Aikido, you know, in terms of yeah, it, what is your intent? You're not exactly. there to pick a fight or get exactly. in a fight or prove you're a great fighter. You're there to end violence as quickly as you can. Yeah, even before it starts. That's, as that's efficiently the, the as possible win, right? least amount of damage to anybody. That's the ultimate win, to, to win without um, unsheeting your sword right like like the the peaceful warrior way and i like it and, and you know like i did a little bit of uh, uh security you know in texas and i did you know a little bit here when i moved to, to california and what what you learn there and what you use and, and for me it was just like a study of that like human interaction you know especially with like unwilling uh you know uh out of their mind or drunk or high like uh you know people and and what you find out is that most of the time, you can just talk your way down. You can just talk your way out of it. You can just, 
even bullshit your way out of it, you know? Exactly. And like 99% of the times you can do that, which means that in the real world, like, like an attack, you can defuse it or, you know, bullshit your way out of it, talk your way out of it, or just be aware and, and not get into it. Right. In mm-hmm. that 1% where you're going to get physical, you just have to have the, the confidence in your technique, in your strategy that, uh, uh, or if it fails, that you know how to adapt and change at the moment, right? Without thinking, uh, technically and mentally. Um, so I, I think that that is a, a great a benefit that you get from, from this kind of training as well. Right. And, I, and also I think with the, the spectrum of, you know, and I love the, the analogy you said about uh, end the fight without drawing your sword. It doesn't mean that the sword blade is all rusty and pitted and it doesn't have an edge and it's, a, you know, it's yes. useless if you draw it out. The, the yes. benefit of having that sword is if you do draw it out, it's sharp, it's ready to go and you know how to use it. And I think that even within, within that analogy, you could expand it further and say, all right, I don't want this to go physical. You could have this in the back of your mind. For example, you get into some heated type situation and you're thinking, I don't want this to go physical, but I know if it does, I'm ready. If I have to have it go physical, I'm not going to, you know, leave this person with a broken neck or, or dead. I'm going to do what I need to, to control the situation, to make sure I don't get harmed. Hopefully they don't get harmed. If I can do it, maybe I can't. And I need, you know, that will be determined by two things. One is the level of intensity of the aggressor and then my own ability, because we have to be realistic and say, you know, I'll admit I'm not a God of martial arts or Aikido. I could get overwhelmed. I might have to use something that would go beyond what I would like to do, which is to alter and control somebody without harming them that would keep me safe and my loved ones safe. That's my ivory tower perfection, but I might not get that. You know, there might be multiple people. The person might be armed. They might be much bigger than me. They might be heavily skilled. You just don't know. That's just the wild card of the of real right. violence. And you know, like I, I like that that um, that uh, sub that you just touched, like uh, the the variables, right? Mm-hmm. The variables in a in a street fight, and yep. and, and this is one of the things that I. Um, find like really funny about like people that are trying to discredit the the competition side of of martial arts that they say like oh well in the street it's not just gonna be one opponent or you don't know when it's gonna be the fight or there might be multiple well exactly so if, if you cannot even handle one guy being the hardest physically mentally in you much less you're gonna be able to control like multiple guys or diffuse the situation because you're not gonna know how to be calm how to remain calm how to either talk your way out of it or go and flip the switch when you need to so just because sports doesn't have that that aspect that doesn't uh you know take away from it you know again it it still is the closest thing that you can get the closest experience in a safe way that you can get to actual you know fight stress Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things I've heard uh, repeatedly that I definitely wanted to address is the idea that, um, and this is pretty well accepted by at least most people that aren't delusional, is you, if you do get into a real fight or into a self-defense situation where, you know, you're dealing with a high level of, of violence, you could do everything right and still lose. Mm-hmm. And of course, the next thing is, well, what's the point of training then? And my answer to that is, you still have to try. 
Because if you don't try, that could be just it for you. And yeah. the, tr the training that we do is there to increase our odds of survival. It's not to make us invincible or Correct. indomitable. But I want, I personally want my odds to be as good as they can be. And by continuing yeah. to train, they just, they bump up just a little bit. And it's true. I might not win. I might, I might be overwhelmed, but uh, you know, my mental side is I'm going to make it damn tough for somebody to dominate. But you have a better chance of survival. Right. So my chance of survival is better that, and, and it, I'm yeah. not going to be an easy target. Uh, I'm going to make so, somebody work for it and I'm going to take a chunk out of their hide as I do it. <laughs> exactly. You know, they might so, beat me. Yep. Just, just the, I'll give me one second. Sorry about that. Just the, just the physical, uh, you know, the physical training, right. That, that, that you get out of that. Like, Okay, so we go back to the, the, the goal of the self-defense. It's survival, right? Mm -hmm. uh, survival, but having a good life, you know, not, not like just, you know, surviving like in a bad way, like living in a bad way. You want your, the best odds of a good life for you. Mm -hmm. So just the, the physical training that you go through in the martial uh, arts is going to give you a better um, uh, level of life. You know, you're going to be healthier, you're going to be stronger, you're going to be more flexible, you're going to be able to enjoy your life a little better, mm -hmm. I believe, right? You're going to have less vices. Uh, so just, just that overall means good for you and the people that are around you, right? Um, and just by that, you might get to, to a physical level that, that people see you and they don't want trouble with you because you look good, you're strong, you're confident. So you avoid a lot of, uh, you know, trouble just by being like, you know, a good uh, your best self, let's just call it. Sure. Um, I mean, just the physical side again, like if you need to run from trouble and you're like, you know, a good athlete, you can just run away and that's it. You know, if you're alone, that, that gets you out of trouble. So why train? It gives you a very, very good uh, physical advantage of surviving in many ways. Um, and the second, it's so much fun. I mean, why not? Like, it's just so much fun. It's a, it's a good habit, you know. It's a, it's almost like a, like a good vice. Uh, I would call it because it's just, uh, it just draws you in, you know. And and, and you want to train more, and you want to do more, and you want to learn more. And it's something that it's building you, like mentally, physically. Um, you you meet people that are in the same uh, realm that are interested in the same things. I mean, just like this conversation that you and I are having, like we met because we were interested in the same thing. So if I was never training Aikido or, or not, you know, interested in this, I would not have met you and I would have missed a lot of the things that you have taught me, that you have brought me, not only directly when we, you know, met, when we trained that one day yeah. or when we talk, or, but all the people that you have interviewed and I'm interested in that, like I gained so much just from, from that interaction with you in, in many uh, indirect ways. So there's just so many benefits to, to the training. So yeah, to the people that say like, Oh, then why training? Wow. Like there's just so many things that you're missing. Yeah, like yeah. just, you know, if you leave that training alone and, and yeah, in the end, like the, the survival rate is zero. So might as well make it the best while you're here. But right. I would not be happy if, if the odds would beat me in the end because I didn't do what I could. Right. Because I was just like, nah, you know, I'm going to probably not, you know, survive anyway. So like why train, why waste my time there? So instead of that, what are you doing? 
<laughs> you know, like what is better than that? Like what, what other things are you doing? So, anyway. well, and that, and that point brings up one I wanted to cover before we wrap things up. And that is uh, something I've noticed quite a bit with Aikido and a lot of the academic focused arts, which is, you know, you, you go through your, your paired katas, you have your attacker, but you have your attacker really toned down the intensity level to the point where it just gets like, it feels like a walkthrough. Mm-hmm. When you are, when you get used to you get used to facing soft uh, attacks or gentle attacks, if you get a rigorous attack, you will be overwhelmed. You're not ready for mentally. it. You're not, you're not, maybe you're not physically mentally you're ready. Yeah. Maybe physically you're ready, but yeah. mentally you're going to be like, uh, like that yep. little shock. And, and, and here's it. a big one. And that is the body can't do what the mind can't comprehend. True. You could have a physically fit athletic body. If your mind isn't prepared for it, the body won't do it all by itself. And so Correct. the more you take, even using, I guess, the word competition, you could kind of use that, but make it more of a challenge. If you're handling your uke pretty well or your uke's attack, say, put some heat on it. I want you to give me some intensity. You know, be a little unpredictable. You know, try to mess with my timing or change the attack. Give me something as I'm you know, going through. If you see a leg, try to grab the leg and do a takedown. Correct. These things are ways you don't have to go turn your dojo into a Conan pit, dual pit, you know, <laughs> where you're, you're beating each other senseless all the time, but push your level a little bit, challenge yourself more, say, I want, I want to, I want to be dealing with a more dangerous uke. And yes, maybe, maybe you say, instead of going 10 miles an hour, go 20 miles an hour. And then you get used to 20 miles an hour, say, go 30. And then you get used to that. Say, I want you to go 45, like, like ramp it up so that I, I'm getting used to speed, variables, um, cunning, deception and you know we talk about you know what's the old phrase all warfare is deception all combat is deception well yes if, if all you do is paired kata you know you remove the deception you don't know anything yeah right you're not ready for that and i'll tell you as a as a as a competitor deception was like my favorite tool you know faints <laughs> fakes setting people up baiting them uh all of that stuff uh does happen and i've talked to people that that are street fighters and have had experience with you know ambushing people and and getting into fights and they've got their tricks they are built on deception it's all about they don't really want to stand up fist fight they want to trick somebody and knock them out yes that's basically how it goes you know my my uh my instructor uh george george prevalski which i i you know really appreciate he's one of my closest friends too and 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 you know, I, I learned and I still am learning a lot from him. Like he, he has a really good mindset for the, for the fight game, you mm-hmm. know, as a sport. But, but it's also very applicable just in general to, you know, street fight or life. And, yeah. and one of the pieces is like, uh, you, you cannot just, uh, he, he uses this analogy and it's hilarious and I love it. Like you cannot just go out and try to knock somebody out, you know, just throw your hardest punch. Because it's not, I mean, it might work. Mm-hmm. You know when it's going to work when you're like super like, superior to the other guy physically and athletically so he always used to say like you you cannot go to a bar and just yell like um you know who wants to come with me to bed pretty much you know Mm -hmm. he used different words but you know i'm I'm just gonna keep it you know anyway unless you are like rich you're showing it and you're super good looking it might work but if not you need a game right Mm -hmm. if not you need setups if not you need you know, how to approach people, how to be inviting, how to be charming and all that. Well, it's the same in, in the, you know, fighting realm. Like 
you you cannot just go out and try to overwhelm it might work once or twice if you're physically superior mm -hmm. but if not you need tricks you need setups you need um a strategy you need uh you know like all that stuff that it's what you gain through that training and i really like what you said like okay there's a lot of traditional people not only in aikido but in other arts you know that that definitely don't want to you know go and do a competition that's fine but if you want your art to to get to that level where you can use it in a in a fight then definitely have your training partner um you know level it up a little bit like and, a simulator. You can do it in a safe way yes and you can do it in a safe way but see this is the thing like let's 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 get the the aikido example like if you want to have and this is this is how it started for me this is how it started going and drifting into boxing and, and, and you know going back again to the competition um i was feeling like okay yeah i can deal with shaman and Yokoman and suki but what about you know how they set it up or mm -hmm. how they move how they approach so that's why i started you know um training the boxing side of things right mm -hmm. like uh so i went to the to the gym and i just asked the guys to just try to punch me like they're training their their setups they're training their their strategy their techniques and i was just training my defense and my you know uh my control and 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 that's great because they're and again i was not hating them they were not hating me they were just helping me mm -hmm. um and at, at the beginning like you know like this this aikido guy comes into the um comes into a boxing gym and asks people to punch them they they all look at me weird <laughs> but little by little they were like okay yes and and i started with the you know the more beginner uh, people and the instructors helped me a lot and uh they were like okay like you can handle this guy let's let's put somebody that has a little more experience or a little more aggressiveness or somebody that has actually you know being a golden gloves champion and and, and it started going up little by little and that's how you can take your training you you start you know, adding more things little by little. When you can handle things, then you get some other element. When you are used to that element, a little bit more. But what I'm what I'm talking about here is that then your uke needs to get better as an attacker as well. So that means your uke. Uh, so how are you gonna handle? You know, how are you gonna develop good technique at defending against good punching if your uke doesn't know how to throw a correct punch? So your uke or yourself, when you're an uke, you need to know how to punch, mm -hmm. right? Which means you're going to have to cross train most likely, unless your instructor is, is very well versed in striking or submissions or whatever you want to defend against. Mm -hmm. So we go again to the, to the cross training side of things. Like if you want to develop a good strategy against defending whatever, you need to train that. You need to cross train. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I hope sometime, you know, in the future, you know, most martial arts instructors that are teaching some type of fighting art uh, that sell it as a self-defense or as a, you know, just a martial, you know, art on its own, that, that know a little bit of, of all these things, you know? And if they don't, at least they, they can bring somebody from another gym and say like, okay, like once or twice a week, we're gonna take boxing, we're gonna take jujitsu, we're gonna take wrestling, we're gonna take Muay Thai. And we keep it within our art but we know how to handle these, you know, most common ways, the most effective ways that people are gonna use to attack us. And I think that would be great. I think that would be a, a real um, valuable lesson for, for everybody involved, you know? Like the people that are just focused on the sports side will, will know all the advantages of the traditional side of the technical study and they would gain something from it. 
and the people that are just you know being technical they will get all that mind uh training and that uh stress inoculation and preparation of of having a a, a really good guy trying to attack you and in doing their damn best to you know to put you down mm -hmm. you know i i would echo the uh, what i believe was a sensei's concern about having aikido turn into a sport I personally, as much as I admire martial sport, I, I recognize its downfalls. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it will eventually grow into its own thing. And I would say judo has probably done the best job of, of remaining pretty intact uh, as a practical art that can be easily shifted to a self-defense application without getting really hyper-specialized. But sports tend to become hyper-specialized over time. And, yes. But we, I, I think, and you describe a great way of, of taking the good part of the sport realm into uh, Aikido training without having to turn it into a sport. I don't think it should be a sport, you know, but we can, we can get some great stuff from how competitive fighters train uh, because, and, and how they bring in that mental stress, how they bring in the stress inoculation, right. you know, getting used to it, getting used to different uh, attacks. Cause from a self-defense realm, you don't know, you could be attacked by anything, you know, whether it's, you know, thigh kicks like from Muay Thai or, or tackles and takedowns like from wrestling. I mean, that's the challenge of the real world realm is anything goes. You've got to be prepared for anything. Um, yep. And so I, I think, you know, these are ways that, that I've brought, it, brought this into my own training for over a decade now. And I really liked it. And I really liked how my students have responded to it. Uh, and, my and favorite thing that, as a know, teacher like... is to share in that in getting my students aware of what they're capable of doing because they're shocked well like, yes i could stop a leg takedown really like they leave a class going wow i learned how to do a sprawl and and i i'm not gonna have somebody take me down or it's gonna be really hard for them and mm -hmm. and that's the to me the joy of teaching it's also the joy of learning because when you learn something new you think god I, I've, I've got like this superpower i've got this thing i can do you know it's really great and um and I think that, that that came to me most through being a competitive fighter. Not only learning those things, whether I, I figured them out on my own or I had somebody else show them to me, and then I could go apply them and get success with them. And that's the part, I think, getting that success, you almost need some kind of venue that challenges you, at, at, finds out where your limit is, challenges you, and then you overcome and you get that success. Like that is Correct. a that is a tremendous feel that no matter how good or how pretty and precise you do your kata, it's, there's nothing. There's like, nothing like there's that, that. Nothing that, like it. It's, it's an it accomplishment in a different way. Yeah. It's a and, different kind of accomplishment that you earn and you, you feel yeah. so good about it. And it's, it's yeah. uh, it makes you grow too. And I agree. Like that's, that's the thing that I don't um, think I have addressed correctly in other, uh, you know, interviews in other, um, you know, ways of talking to people like, as much as I love the, the sports side of it, again, because it's fun, because it's, it's you know, just like good, the training and, and the, the benefits that you get from it. I'm, I'm not saying that traditional arts, in this case, Aikido should become a sport because it cannot. Just, just the fact that it's, it's a budo, right? It's a, it's a system where you have one attacker and one defender, very specific, right? There's an uke, you need an uke. You know, you need to be an agent, you need your uke. But that doesn't mean that the uke cannot 
um, you know, step it up a couple of notches, mm -hmm. like every now and then and learn better techniques to attack you and learn different ways to trick you. So you learn to deal with those things on a regular basis and, and, and feel uh, that, that stress side of like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how, how my okay is going to deal with me this time. You know, like what, what new trick he's going to pull from his sleeve. So you mentally are going to be ready to deal with all that if you put yourself through that. So yes, Aikido in this case or any other martial arts do not have to become sports to get those benefits, mm -hmm. but they, they can learn from the sports side, uh, you know, from the combat sports, uh, they can bring a lot of these benefits into, into the training which is what I think you and I have, you know, tried to do and, mm -hmm. and it works, man. And it just, you know, like you said, feels great. And your students learn something practical. And then I just in my case, like, I feel like it's, it's a little less, um, a little less, uh, or a little more of a truth when you call what you're teaching martial, right. martial art, martial sport, martial, whatever, you know, then, then you're actually teaching your students how to fight in the end mm -hmm. yes or, or how to added benefits, participate you know? in violence still with that focus of i'm going to put an end to this or i'm going to save myself from it that's yes. an, uh, to me the nage mindset it's i'm not going to go get into a fight i'm going to put a stop to it it yeah. still has that focus but yeah having that higher level of intensity just so that they're used to it absolutely i totally which agree. which which i like i like what you just said you know stop the fight either before it happens when it's happening or or when i'm done with it like don't keep going you know like stop mm -hmm. the violence right. which is, isn't that the meaning of the 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 kanji for martial the chinese or japanese kanji for martial it's stop stop the spear i believe it's okay. like that so that's, yeah, that's you're the, getting deeper the, into into chinese than than i am that's the, the meaning that's the meaning of the that that bull or or you know fool or whatever you know mm -hmm. depending on the language um, I think that's the meaning of that, of that kanji. Stop the spear, stop violence, stop, yeah. you know, war. Well, so, I tell you, you know, I like it. I'm sure that we're going to get some comments about, uh, people saying, well, here's what Budo really means. And it was probably going to be a whole thread, but <laughs> I like it. I, that, that sentiment that stop the spear, I, I, I dig it. Like that's, that to me is what martial arts is about. It's not learning to be a beast or learning to be violent. It's, I have the, the ability to stop it efficiently. Yeah you know, or at least have a good chance of doing it. Uh, that's yeah. why I keep training. So I like that. Like being realistic too, you know, I'm, I'm not training to become a, a, a God of war. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm training to increase my odds of survival. Be, mm -hmm. be very uh, sober about your goals. And, and I think you're gonna, you know, reach those goals and feel good about them, you know, mm -hmm. and, and have that confidence. Like, okay, you know, if I get into a scuffle or, or if a violent situation is happening, I can either defuse it or I can handle myself and, and I'm going to be okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go home today to my family. Right. Yeah. And you know, and we could probably even have another whole discussion on the topic of not only are we there to protect ourselves, but as mature adults, we have an obligation to our community and to our society to not just protect our, our own bodies, but our family, our neighbors, you know, other peaceful human beings that perhaps don't have the abilities that we do. Mm -hmm. I think that there's an obligation. I know this goes back into the, you know, the warrior mythos uh, that the, the, the warrior of a society was a protector. It was like a guardian. 
and I, and I view myself that way that my, my, my art is not just to protect my own life. It's to keep peace where, where I am, you know, mm -hmm. and, and uh, you know, I've, I've read somewhere long ago, the idea, you know, an old medieval warrior says where my sword is drawn, peace will follow. And that's, I view right. it very much that that warrior mindset of it's not, I'm not here just to be a, a killing machine. I'm here to keep peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To you know, to to have your your art like in, in a physical way follow a, a philosophical way of like you know establishing something good around yourself. You know, right? Exactly. Like so, was there anything we talked about uh, previously that we that we missed today? I know we covered uh, I think just about everything. Can you think of anything that I'm maybe have overlooked? I don't think so. I, I think, you know, the, one of the main things was the, the, the mental aspect of that uh, benefits that uh, combat sports can, be, can, can bring into traditional training, uh, that it doesn't need to become a sport, that it just needs to learn some of the lessons that are taken from that, you know, art and enhance your own art. Mm -hmm. And um, what else? I think that's interesting. I mean, you okay. know, we can, we can definitely cover more and more uh, you know, you know, I, I guess I'll leave on one last thought, and that is, uh, I very much view the training in, in uh, like a layers. You have at the base layer, if you imagine a pyramid, the base layer is the physical. And that's where we do, you know, hone the body. We build our, our bodies up, whether it's just with athletics or uh, with technique. And then there's the mental realm above that, which you can have a strong physical, but if your mental is off, you won't be able to perform. So you build up the mental and then at the very top is the spiritual. And so I think going through training, you start with the physical, then you go into the mental and then you go to the spiritual. And when you, when you've gotten a strong base of the physical and the mental, then your spirit becomes calm. You're, you're, you be le you become less reactionary, less, I don't say emotional because everybody's going to be emotional, but less mm -hmm. hyper reactive or less. But you can uh, control that emotion. You can control. You learn how exactly. to control yourself. Yes. You know? And that's a big part of that mental thing, which I think goes through the, the thread of, of everything we've talked about today. It's yes. so much in that mental realm uh, that just doing the physical is, it's going to help you get there, but that's its own world of all in of itself. Yeah. And, and that's, that's interesting how you say, like, you know, I, I've experienced sometimes like when we were going for a, you know, a little harder training to, you know, another gym or like a little sparring session and, and, and you start getting that uh, stress, you know, you start getting that pressure and you start learning how to deal with it. And sometimes we didn't or not everybody got an opponent, you know, for the sparring and, and we went home without fighting, but you still went through that mental preparation. So oh, you yeah. still did the mental training, even though you didn't do the physical side, mm -hmm. you still had the mental aspect just because you put yourself in that situation. Like, okay, I'm going to go and do a, you know, sparring session, you know, mm -hmm. at, at another gym. And even if you didn't get an opponent that day, but you went through all that stress inoculation. So the next time, if you get an opponent or not, well, especially if you do get one, you know how to handle yourself a little better just because you went through that process, you know? Mm -hmm. So it, it's very interesting and it, it's, you know, it's something like good too, you know, like I, I always like that. Um, um, it's one of those things that says like every day I learn something, every day do this and that. And one of the points says every day do something that scares you. Mm -hmm. And I, I like that. That's, that's pretty much stress inoculation, you know, like okay. uh, learn, I mean, not in a way that is going to put your life at risk, you know, but, right. but put yourself through some, you know, heat, 
So again, like, you know, the, the way you used uh, the, uh, you know, similarities be, be, between the sword and the grinding stone, mm -hmm. uh, same thing when you're forging the sword, you, you put yourself through the heat to make it, you know, to temper it, to temper your body, to temper your mind, to temper your, uh, your spirit, you know, in the you know, highest level of this. So, yeah, I, I like Absolutely. the idea. Well, great. Thank you very much, Francisco. I think this has been a great conversation. I think we could chat all day and, and into tomorrow. So yes, definitely. this has been fantastic. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thanks again for inviting me. And I, I appreciate you. And I uh, definitely we need to, to get together again on the mats. Uh, Absolutely. Maybe, maybe with masks and all that, whatever is required. <laughs> we'll figure something okay. out. That's for sure. We're, we're, we're healthy now. Like we're, we're good. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like we need to do that. And, and uh, again, I appreciate you a lot. Like I appreciate what you're doing, like this, this podcast that you're doing, inviting Thank all the you. people, bouncing all those ideas. I think it's very enriching. And I think the people that are uh, taking the time to, to listen to this, uh, I hope they learn a lot and they enrich their own martial journey through it. So yeah, again, thanks. It's a pleasure. Remember, and it's an honor being beings, here. We're all only ever growing or dying. And if, yes, you're, not, if I, you're not growing, I agree. then you're dying. I agree. So, I, agree. I think like, our art is the evolve, same way. Yeah, we either evolve or we become stagnant in, in, in any living thing, in any science, that anything that is going to be current and that matters should go through the same process, I think. Absolutely. So, yeah. Perfect. Tristan, right. thank you again for everything. You bet. Thank you very much, Francisco. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for watching and supporting this podcast. Enjoy your training.